Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale July 31st, 2019. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And on this show, we're going to tell you all about the new Marvel comics, all the print issues, the hits digital, the collections. There's a lot of smirking going on over I, here. I'm, 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 I'm like laughing at your soft tone. You know? It's nice. We should do like an NPR edition. Oh, sure. You want to talk about the Avengers? Wow, they sure had a great episode. Absolutely fantastic work yeah, from really, Jason Aaron and company. It's really, really fun. You know, we're going to talk about the Ghost Riders. The band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting them softy bits in here. Uh, Tucker, we're recording this the day after I just arrived home yeah. from Comic-Con. Yeah. How was... How was home? Did anything go down? Uh, no, I think things were actually really went smoothly here. Um, you know, we're kind of, uh, I feel like the reverberations of the chaos on the, the show floor kind of, uh, they spread out, they even out by the time they, they reached 3,000 miles away on the, on the East Coast. But it, it went well. How, how were things over there for you? It was great. It was great. It was really busy. Uh, heard from a lot of fans that Triple P loves ham, uh, <laughs> which was great. Uh, so that stuck. Nice. That worked. Nice. You know, I, usually I go with a list to a comic convention of books that I want to get, and it's dwindled mm-hmm. a bit because I've gotten most of the yeah. books that I really want, and I'm starting to look at some other stuff. I couldn't pick up any of the three issues that I've been looking for because mm-hmm. nobody has them, huh. which is fun. I like the chase. Yeah. It's really exciting. But I did get uh, three issues. I got two issues of 2001 A Space Odyssey, the Jack Kirby, oh, awesome. written, drawn, colored. Lettered, like he does. Um, I don't think he does everything, but he, I think he also edits himself in it. It is great. <laughs> it is so good. The Treasury Edition, and I got uh, issue one of the series, and I think I got uh, issue one of like the Machine Man issue. That's awesome. So good. That's so cool. But uh, we got to talk about comics because there's some great comics to talk about this week. This is actually super strong week. Last week was super strong. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're in a really good groove. You know, I also think it's funny because the day we're recording this is the day. Before House of X number one comes yeah. out, and mm-hmm. we're already talking about power, we're going to be talking about Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read House of X days ago, or it felt like weeks ago, and it's still like sticking with me. Yeah, I'm like still thinking about it, and we're I think it's going to be the same way with Powers when we get to that. Uh, well, let's dive in. First up is Avengers number twenty two, written by Jason Aaron with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Jason Keith, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is the first part of the challenge of the Ghost Riders. Uh, so we've seen a whole bunch of cool Ghost Rider stuff happening in recent months. I mean, really, if you go back, it's to the Damnation storyline yeah. where Johnny Blaze became King of Hell. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of been a little bit of a through line that we're we're seeing dip in a little bit here and there. We saw it recently in Marvel Comics Presents, which was a story about... Uh, Danny Ketch and sort of catching back up with him. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, Robbie Reyes in here. He is the ghostwriter that's on the Avengers. He's feeling really weird. He's feeling messed up. He's like, eh, that is ghostwriter powers. He wants to get rid of it. It's it's like messing with him. And that's kind of the, the tip off into the story because we do get to see Johnny Blaze, King of Hell in this issue. And we know there's a new ghostwriter series coming in October. So this is, there's, it feels like there's just, a lot of meat happening with yeah. Ghost Rider uh, right now. Um, there's also some really fun, weird stuff going on with Iron Man and Thor and a mysterious cave in Turkey. Uh, oh, and uh, Damon Hellstrom shows up, you know, the guy who's going to have a show on Hulu. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a shirt, which is good. That's <laughs> that's accurate. But he's bald. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Damon Hellstrom, <laughs> to me, has got this, like, head of hair. He's, in my head, he's, like... David Bowie-ish, but mm. like satanic. Right. Right? Or, you know, like this British sexy magician dude. Right. And <laughs> the bald angle is just not what I've I, I'm used to from him. So I'm like, come on, give me that hair. Yeah. 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 It was it was fun for me reading that issue, seeing like I feel like you can kind of feel a real '90s influence on 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 Jason Aaron in this, and just like a love for those kind of characters and characters that uh, had a big impact then, like mid- the Midnight Suns and things like that. It was a lot of fun to read. All right, awesome. My first book this week is also my first pick of the week. It's Black Panther number fourteen. Uh, it is by. 
Tanahasi Coates and Daniel Acuna with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I gotta say, I, I gotta say right off, like, uh, pretty much I'm picking this issue because Daniel Acuna. Yeah. I mean, crush. We've gotten a, a bunch of different artists to come on board uh, and kind of play in in this very specific. Um, uh, artistic style in here. We've seen, I think, Kev Walker. We've seen Jen Bartel uh, and, and a few other great artists. Um, Daniel Acuna is the artist that uh, this series launched with, and I think it's been a little while since he, he's he's uh, kind of jumped back on board. And man, it is he's just incredible. He's just incredible. There's something did when I say digital, I don't mean like he's doing it. Like it's obvious he's doing his work digitally versus like traditionally with like uh, pencil but i mean the actual choices he's making uh, i mean whether it's literally where like t'challa visits wakanda prime uh like via kind of projection to communicate with people there and we get this really cool kind of like digital effect uh there but just there's a there's something else that kind of travels throughout the entire piece which is phil noto come digital future um it's it's got a really kind of beautiful you know painterly look to it and obviously so as he he's taking he he's doing the the, the pencils inks and colors all himself so really just with that as a base just knowing going into it that it's these two masterful creators working together uh there's a a a big uh kind of cliffhanger at the end it, it is just uh really wonderful to see and like i said um i think you could probably have daniel acuña like illustrate me at home alone like making a sandwich and it would be riveting well, uh, I mean, there there's something to that point it's something i've heard joe casada talk about mm. the way he describes jack kirby's art is like you know when when a, a certain uh, comic book artist does two people talking yes they yeah the, the the comic book artist that most embodies a marvel style can turn that into the most engaging looking, most riveting image. No matter what, if it's two people sitting and talking, Mm -hmm. they'll find a way to add something to that that can just make you stare at it and go, wow. Yeah, you're so right. And that's Acuna. That's that's what you're saying. I I was thinking about the the 2001 issues that I got, and Mm -hmm. I would love to see Daniel Acuna do Dune. Oh, man. Or Star Trek. Yeah. Think about that. Because there's some awesome, like, alien yeah. creatures in and just, here like, who, who have, vibe, like, his yeah. vibe, the color, like, his color palette then put into those things. And, yeah. Oof, man. I wish. Awesome. All right. Up next is Captain America number 12. It's a double Tanahasi dip with uh, the stories written by Tanahasi Coates, art by Adam Kubert, with colors by Matt Mila, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The second page of this issue has one of the coolest Captain America splash pages ever. (laughs) He's just like leaping down, shield flying back to his arm, about to stomp some uh, hydragoons. But it's just so dynamic, yet classic, vibrant, and exciting. It is the like like a quintessential Captain America image, which is interesting because part of the story, particularly this issue, is about how Captain America is not, like we can't have Captain America right now. Mm-hmm. Between the stuff with the Supreme Commander coming out of uh, Secret Empire to Cap breaking out of a supervillain prison alongside supervillains, even though like that's not quite the story. That's yeah. the narrative that's getting out there. Captain America needs to take a step back, but Steve Rogers needs to take a step forward. And so that's an interesting part of what this this story is about. The storyline where we are in this, and so. You also have the flip side of he's not alone, which is great. He's got the Daughters of Liberty with him. Uh, the Daughters of Liberty, awesome. We get a lot of information about them, some teases like, yeah, we've been doing this for as long as there's been a this right. in, in the sense of the country. Mm-hmm. Like there's been a Daughters of Liberty where now just this group that includes like the Invisible Woman and Misty Knight and, you know, Spider Woman, like mm-hmm. it's a crew that can do some really interesting things. Uh, because of their powers and, and their place in society. Um, there's a the great scene between Cap and the daughters talking, and they're, like, ribbing them and, like, uh, cutting them down a little bit. It's really funny. Uh, most importantly, though, by the end of this issue, we find out the identity of the dryad. Mm. And I will not be ready for this one. Yeah. Do not get spoiled. <laughs> go read the book. 
because it's a big deal. Uh, and we'll find out. We'll get into that more, I'm sure, next issue. But try not to get spoiled on this Yeah. One. Yeah, it's big. Okay, my second book this week is, oh my God, it's my second pick of the week. It is Conan the Barbarian number eight. Um, uh, this is The Life and Death of Conan Part Eight Homecoming. It's written by the great Jason Aaron, uh, who's had quite a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, getting shouted out by Taika YCT on stage. Come uh, on. Yeah. The greatest. Uh, the art on this one. Talk about art. Oh, my God. Oh, this is just insane stuff. Uh, the art on this book is Gerardo Zafino uh, with Gary Brown on pages 19 and 20. Colors throughout by the incredible Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. It's been so, so fascinating to see how Jason Aaron has taken on the stated objective and the stated uh, remit of this series, which is to explore various areas of Conan's life and to kind of weave them all into uh, a narrative that kind of defies that jumping around at the same time as, as, as when you zoom out, painting a, a really beautiful picture all in one. If there's anyone on planet Earth that could do that beautifully, it's Jason Aaron. Uh, and Gerardo Zafino did did a, a Conan issue, I don't know, three or four issues ago that I adored. And so I knew that I was going to love this one as well. This one sees Conan kind of in like this frozen tundra, um, looking for refuge and coming across some, uh, you know, like... Mm, how, how would you describe it? Like undead, mystical. Um, uh, he goes back to his village, yeah, where he's from in Samaria, and finds that his whole village is possessed—friends, loved ones. Right. Like he mentions, like the girl I first kissed. You know his uh, his his grandmother. Right. So to take the, take all of that and and kind of build in both what feels like such a cla- like a. a a Ronan Conan, Ronan Conan, um, uh, story where it's, you know, which, which we've gotten so much of so wonderfully over various Conan issues and, 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 and books. And then take it and add that personal element is so cool. But at the end of the day, I just love the mixture of like sword and shield action that we get from this book combined with that, like personal touch combined with the, like that mystical weird, a cultish, strange other thing. It's just something that makes me so grateful and so happy that we have Conan uh, here at Marvel because I think this this series is doing something that it may seem obvious, but that just can't be done anywhere else. There's some really awesome like snake imagery throughout this, which is just so cool. Like there's a dude who's like approaching Conan at a certain point, and there's just a snake like going through a hole in his head and then like out his ear. Yeah, and it's just and the snake talks. Yes, yeah, uh, and it's it, so good. It's so cool. There's so many different elements to this that I just adore. It's just incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah. and for uh, old school, longtime Conan readers, if you were looking for Thothemon, mm. get ready. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming. It's happening. Uh, all right. Up next is my first pick of the week. It is Death's Head number one, written by Teeny Howard, drawn by Kai Zama, colored by Felipe Sobrero, lettered by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, oh man, I've been waiting for this one Mm -hmm. for quite a while. So, look, I imagine most of you don't know much or anything about Death's Head. I think there's, you know, a slightly large, smaller number. Like, there's just not a lot of people who've read a Death's Head book or Death's Head, uh, a story with Death's Head in it. He's shown up in Iron Man, in a couple of other places with us in the last couple of years, but it's not like he's not like a huge yeah. supporting character. I mean, he's pretty obscure, I guess, but to have his own title, I think that's a hard sell. I, like I acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But this is so great. It's uh, he like Death's Head is this big, quirky robot bounty hunter dude. And he has like a, a vocal, not a vocal, like a dialogue tick where, you know, he sort of like sets everything up almost like a rhetorical question. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, this book is good, yes? <laughs> uh, like just sort of puts it that way. And so we find him in here having a run in with Yandu because Death said owes Yandu money and, you know, he 
ends up on the wrong side of things. There's a bunch of really cool designs of these like robot lady yeah. badasses that I'm sure Teeny and Kai came up with. They were just like, yes, let's do this. It's really <laughs> fun. And so Deathside gets trashed and you, you then find him being used as an amplifier at an Earth rock show. But the show is also attended by Wiccan and Hulkling. So this is key information. If you, even if you don't know who Death's Head is, most likely you are very excited about a new book with Wiccan and Hulkling. And this is really a very much a Wiccan, Hulkling, Death's Head story. It's, it's really tied to all of them. There's a lot of action with, uh, with Teddy and Billy here. So we see Billy messing about with alternate timelines and reality stuff. Like I first got connected to Death's Head through Death's Head 2, which mm. is almost universally panned <laughs> by like pure death's head lovers. Yeah. But I'm a, such a, a fan of dystopic, like horrible future. What if type stories? Yeah. And this was a story where like death's head merged with this evil presence and then took over all of earth. And so the, like the remaining forces against him were Reed Richards like gooey body in a jar. <laughs> oh, it is as horrible as you expect. Rhino and She-Hulk who have like become lovers and then they sacrifice themselves for each other like this heartbreaking moment. Uh Wolverine uh I think like breaks a claw. Great great book for me, but nobody likes Death's Head 2. Everybody <laughs> loves Death's Head 1. And then I went back and and read more of Death's Head and find and found out why. Mm-hmm. Death's Head is also fascinating to me because he can he like traverses m- like multiple realities he has been in doctor who comics that we published mm. back in the day mm-hmm. he i think he first started out in transformers comics wow. uh that we published back in the day and of course he's been a big part like kieran gillen's run on iron man because kieran's a brit and death's head is such a, a popular character in the uk he brought death's head in and had all these interesting run-ins with him so mm. He has a really interesting like circle. Yeah. And I would lo- I, I really I've wanted to dive into this, but the summer sort of beat my face in <laughs> with other things. But Death's Head is fascinating. So if you don't know anything about Death's Head, that's fine. This is sort of a like a you can come in blank slate. You know that this is set in the Marvel universe. You have familiar characters like Wiccan and Hulkling. And it's you know, the book is really funny because Teeny's great. The art is at times manga-ish, but also cyberpunky and yeah. superhero-y. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a fascinating mix. Kai has done, I believe, some Transformers work, which, you know, now on Death's Head, perfect. Right. Fits the tone perfectly. There is this other Death's Head. Like, everybody hated Death's Head too. Well, there, there's another Death's Head in this book. We're going to see what that's all about. I know comics are expensive and it's tough to take a chance on things. Mm-hmm. If you absolutely really are like on the fence, tweet me. We'll talk. Yeah. All right. All right. I, look, I got to say, I, I read that. Th- this is my first personal experience with Death's Head. And I went into this knowing I was going to love it because it's Tina Howard. And right. Tina Howard is going to be writing Excalibur, handpicked by Jordan D. White, ex-editor, and Jonathan Hickman himself. So it's like, this is going to be great comics, no doubt. Okay. Uh, next book we have is Fantastic Four, number 12. It is written by Dan Slott with art by Sean Isaacs, colors by Marcio Meniz. And that is, uh, it's the, the story called uh, The Honeymoon Crasher. And then there is a backup story called Speed of Light, which is written by Jeremy Whitley with pencils by Will Robson, inks and finishes by Daniele Orlandini with Will Robson and colors by Greg Menzi with letters throughout by VC's Joe Caramania. That first story, The Honeymoon Crasher, this is something that we've been looking towards for quite a few months. I remember we did a special announcement about it because essentially the idea in this story is that it is... How does it work exactly? Once it, once a year, Ben like loses his power. He transmutates back into he goes from Rocky thing to yeah. normal, you know, pale white man right. uh Ben Grimm. Yeah, yeah. Um uh he so that is coming up. He knows that's on its way. He's like in the first page, he's confirming with Reed, um, like doing tests that uh, it's my all fav- gonna go down. One of my favorite lines Dan Slott has ever written. This was nearly one of my picks, by the way. Yeah. Uh is Reed and Ben are talking in here and and Reed is tell is like, okay, you've got the timer here, blah 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 blah. You're gonna turn. Uh he says, you'll change from the thing into Ben Grimm. And then Ben goes, just in time for my my honeymoon. Ha cha cha. Yeah. 
Cha-cha-cha. I lost it. I was reading that on the plane, and it got me. It was so good. Yeah. So so we we start there, and basically that is going to overlap uh, exactly like you said with. Ben's honeymoon with Alicia. Obviously, they got married a, a few months ago. They're finally get some, getting some time away. That's happening all at the same time. Just when we get the moment of tranquility there, the Hulk shows up. Should I say what the deal is there or should I not? Don't say, I wouldn't okay. say what the deal okay. is. Okay. Uh, so, but it's yeah. a Hulk versus Thing fight. There, yes. It is a twist that we've not seen before. Yeah. Dan is very excited about this. I've literally been hearing about this issue <laughs> for at least two years. Dan has been wow. talking about this. He's yeah. been planning. He's been looking forward to this. Because, one, he wants to write a Hulk Thing fight. Yeah. But he wants to put a spin on it, and he has. It's, it's a really interesting spin on it. I got to give special props to Sean Isaacs as well. Because mm-hmm. Sean... Been doing wonderful stuff, but he kills it on this issue. His thing is so perfect. A little bit of Mike Waringo's thing, especially mm-hmm. when you look at the face, I was like, I like stopped. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this looks like Ringo. And then little bits of Jim Chung and yeah. that like super detailed, really like textury feel. Uh, and the action is so big. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just awesome. So we get the the full gamut of of Ben in there. I will leave it at that. Uh, and then we get in this backup story. We essentially get a prelude to Future Foundation, which is so much fun. We get to bring in, uh, we see Jeremy Whitley bringing in a few um, supporting characters, including Julie Powers. And we get to see how this kind of, it, it essentially felt like a, and this is a huge compliment to uh, this creative team. Uh, and, you know, we'll get to it in, I don't know, three or four or five issues. It felt like a, a kind of different type of runaways in that way. That's a really youthful team. Mm. Um, and it's kind of all about that dynamic, that youthful feel, a bunch of scenes where, you know, it's just kids kind of hanging out and talking about things. But obviously with this other element there, uh, really, really, really fun stuff. And uh, yeah, made me, you know, as excited as I've been for Future Foundation, made me even more excited. But yeah, um, great stuff going down in Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, Future Foundation writer Jeremy Whitley was on our This Week in Marvel panel at Comic-Con. You're going to be able to hear that panel, hear learn a little bit more about Future Foundation in latest episode of This Week in Marvel. So if you're not a subscriber to that, definitely tune in uh, because, yeah, between talking with Jeremy and then actually reading the story, I'm like, give it to me. I am ready for this book. Nice. Up next is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number nine. This is written by Tom Taylor, art by Ken Lashley and Juan Cabal, colors by Nolan Woodard and Marcio Menez, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one is a huge issue for all of us who have been reading Friendly Neighborhood from number one. It is the secret history and origin story of the rumor, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. She's been really fun and like she's sass and super strong and, and really interesting character. But then we get into the story and like I'll just say it resembles some super soldier tales that we've seen before. But then it twists and it starts to reflect some of the ugliness of the world, mm-hmm. particularly in 1943, as well as now. And there's some really pointed panels in here that I was like, man, we went for it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad we went for it. We're telling the story, putting this in a context that makes sense and shows the da- the dangers of certain things um, and how heroes can persist through all that, I think was really, really uh, important. It's another spectacular issue. Totally. Okay, next up we have Marvel Comics Presents number seven. This uh, issue, uh, as all of these Marvel Comics Presents uh, stories, have ha- has three tales within it. The first is by uh, Mr. Charles Soule with pencils by Paolo Siquiero, inks by Oren Jr., colors by Frank D'Armada, and letters by VCs Joe Caramani. Talk about impactful pages and stories. I mean, this is uh, this is uh, this Wolverine story that has been go- ongoing throughout the uh these seven issues of Marvel Comics Presents, it really painted to me like how tough the years have been on this character. Mm. Um, not just, his, you know, his body, but just for him, uh, you know, mentally and just relationship-wise, all these different things. Really, really, really wonderfully done. Then we have an, uh, the next story, which is an Iron Man story. It's written by, oh yeah, it's written by Ryan North with art by Rod Rice and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. That's a dream team right there. Holy moly. <laughs> Essentially, we're kind of going through uh, stories take place in the 2000s. That's what we've been doing in, in uh, Marvel Comics Presents. And we are up through into the 2000s. And this, we get to see Iron Man fight Subprime Mortgage Man. Dun, dun, dun. This is the most Ryan North story it really ever. Is. It rules. It's so good. But at the same time, like in that Ryan North way where it's like super funny, he 
I, I'd never really thought about it before, but like Ryan North, there's something about him. He's obviously like super smart, like ridiculous breadth of references and knowledge, not just in comics, but in the, in the world. I, I feel like Tony Stark weirdly just fits so perfectly with Ryan North. I couldn't even tell you why. Mm-hmm. I couldn't point to certain things, even specifically in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. It's just kind of like when you just think about him overall as a writer, it just works wonderfully. So we get to see Tony Stark go up against uh, a few uh, villains of the 2007-2008 financial crisis. It is great stuff. Oh man, I loved this issue a ton. Uh, then uh, the third story here is uh, about the Winter Soldier. It's about Bucky Barnes. It's written by DC Pearson with art by Alessandro VT, colors by Lee Lowridge, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. This is like, you know, sometimes we have different uh, people come in. We have uh, first time uh, Marvel Comics writers, sometimes first time comic book writers uh, uh, who are coming in from novels or coming in from the world of journalism, etc. DC Pearson's a great comedian, great actor, but I've I've never read uh, you know any comic by him before or anything like that. I'm not entirely certain of what his comics background in terms of writing is. Obviously, he's a fan. He's he's done. Uh, I think he's been in at least one Marvel Studios film. But anyway, he's obviously a huge fan of the universe and everything like that. This was actually still, nevertheless, so surprising. He's in uh, Marvel Studios, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. He uh, is the one who helps them out at at the Apple store or whatever uh, computer store they're at. And he's like, you know, specimen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, uh, So, you know, we going in with, with like, you know, obviously knowing who DC Pearson is and everything, like, I was so impressed with this story. I thought it was so succinctly, succinctly done. I thought that the storytelling was so clear. And I think a really telltale sign that I think, uh, you know, and kudos to editor on this story, Chris Robinson, for for working with DC and, and, you know, both of them coming and bringing this to the table. Because something that we talk about a lot with first time writers or people who are just getting used to the comic book format is like it can end up stories can end up being really wordy. And that's just a, a really difficult thing to to try and find a way past uh, with this medium, but like this was so wonderfully done. It was a very elegant, great little Winter Soldier story. I really, really liked it. Uh, we should give extra props to Chris as well. There's um, a backup story in the Venom Annual, mm-hmm. which we'll get to later in the show. But he was the editor of that one as well, and that's written by someone who's not done a ton of Marvel work, and it is one of my favorite stories of this week. Yeah. And uh, he is the editor on it, and that's an important part. Yeah, of it. really. I, I saw Gail Simone tweet recently. She said like. Just apropos of nothing, shout out to Chris Robinson, yeah. who, I mean, Gail Simone, modern master of comics, said Chris Robinson is one of the best editors I've ever worked with. We love him. And uh, yeah. Heck yeah. Do too. Great stuff. Um, all right. Up next is Marvel team up number four. Uh, this one is written by Clint McElroy. Art by Ig Guara, colors by Felipe Sobrero, letters and production by VCs Clayton Cowell. So Clint is the patriarch of the McElroy clan. The uh-huh. crew, the squadron, the colony, the I, I call my cats a colony, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Clint's a dad, and you could tell he's just got deep Marvel knowledge, knows to throw in a lot of quips and not to have a lot of fun, and like you know, mix a story, add in the superhuman and the human parts of a Marvel story. Mm-hmm. That is very key to this, and I thought that was very clever of him. It, it shows um, while he's not done a ton of Marvel work. Um, he he knows what he's doing, right? Um, and this one is a team up between uh, Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan. It connects both of their recent sort of status quos and stories in interesting ways. You know, threading that in there to sort of set the scene. I thought that was really well done. Uh, there are damage control warehouses around New York City that have Cree items in them, and those Cree items are being stolen. So the, the Marvels team up to sort things out. They come together. Uh, there's a really great sequence with Carol and Kamala talking to Kamala's parents that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have all the Kree stuff, especially the mystery at the end, which I found really, really interesting and, and fun and fascinating. Up next is my second pick of the week. Put on your booties. Everybody's going to be pooping because it's time for <laughs> Powers of Ten. Pooping because they're so excited you can't hold it in anymore. Yeah. That's that's what they say. I feel like I just channeled Ricky Purden right there. <laughs> uh, 
You guys, it's so good. It's so friggin' good. I'm making jokes. It is not a joke book. Mm-mm. It is not a silly time, happy fun, surprises. It is a very serious book. Let me give you them credits. It is written, of course, by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, art by R.B. Silva with inks by R.B. Silva and Adriano De Benedetto. And colors by the mighty Marte Gracia with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles and designed by Tom Muller. There's a whole lot to talk about. Neat thing that Jonathan posted on Twitter is that the logos for House of X and Powers of Ten are tied together. They're designed to be pretty much the same. They look the same. Mm-hmm. One says House of X, the other says Powers of Ten. But the colors are tied together. So the colors for number one on the logos are red and white, but House of X and powers of 10 are flipped in what's red and what's white. Right. And so you can easily identify them side by side, but knowing that they are different. I thought it was a really, it's a very subtle thing, but when you start looking at them, and it goes the same for issue two, issue three mm-hmm. of the respective books, they will be tied together. I thought that was fascinating. It's yeah. just one of those little things that. It's like the level of detail overall here is like mind blowing. I, I was having dinner, we were having a, a big dinner the first or second night of Comic Con, and I was talking with Jordan about this process and everything and like the codes in here and like there's so much going on in these books. It's so fascinating. Yeah. So House of X is this big, amazing X-Men book, right? Powers of 10 to me feels like a big, amazing Jonathan Hickman book. Mm-hmm. And both are also the other thing, but I put the X-Men first in House and I put Jonathan first in Powers. It, like this feels like channeling the big brain-busting ideas that Jonathan does so, so well, he, while he also does superheroes and so, so well, this is sort of a different exploration of his capabilities. It's a different muscle he's flexing in some places here, which I love. I hadn't thought of it in that terms, and that is the perfect way to put it. When you put it that way, I immediately think back to S.H.I.E.L.D., the Hickman and Weaver story, and like the hugeness of that story, and it's like, you know, completely surpassed and just blown out of the water as amazing and mind-blowing as that yeah. is it's just like well no i i think it's fat it's good that you mentioned shield because and i was talking to ron richards about this mm-hmm. your boss my friend he's he's one of our uh vps here he and i were talking and it was like house of x is avengers and powers of tennis shield they both have similar elements but there's a definite divergence of what you're getting into yeah. between each of them and when you get into powers, it's wild. I need to do a second reading of this. I've yeah. only had a chance to read it once. And, and I was flipping through it again today just to to sort of go through things. Because this was the first book I read in the stack. Like, mm-hmm. I had to get to this. This was, like, my number one thing to read. And it's it's wild. It starts with this quote. Quote, here's the thing, Charles. It's not a dream if it's real. Mm-hmm. And I won't say who said it because I don't know if that's been public yet. Yeah. But that line... You see the context for that later in the book. And I just, I love that. I, I think it's so pivotal to the whole story. Uh, and this is a difficult one. Like we had, we were talking about House of X last week. It's hard to talk about the story here. You'll see that there are different time periods represented here. Uh, they're like sort of denoted as year one, year 10, year 100, year 1000. Um, what that means, you'll find out as you read this story. And it does very much connect to House of X. There's a reason why these are coming out weekly. Like House of X uh, had this story that was going through with Mystique, Toad, and Sabretooth stealing something. That gets picked up right in here. Mm -hmm. We see sort of the aftermath of that heist and how that starts to play in, but that's only a, a minor part of things. Then it goes off into all kinds of different directions. Uh, in this issue, you do find out who the red nightcrawler looking guy is. You do find out who the woman who seems to have magic sword and Colossus's steel powers, who she is. But it's so much bigger than everybody has been trying to figure out. Yeah. Again, like where it's putting things and how and why and who. And like there's just so much going on. It's so great. I think... I need another read of this, which is going to be fun in part because R.B. Silva is putting on a clinic. Like this is like watching some person who's been doing their sport for like three or four years. They're not a rookie, but they are like, oh, this is a person who is now 
getting to that peak part of their abilities and just showing off, like crushing, whether it's slamming the dunks or hitting a four <laughs> or tennising, yep. whatever it is, they are doing it to the best of their ability. RB putting on an absolute clinic, some of the most beautiful, clean, expressive line work in any comic you'll see by us or by anyone else. And it's really special because Marte Gracia's colors and that palette tying this together with House of X is so crucial, so stupendous, uh, so beautiful. I would say there's not quite as much um, background, but I guess there is a ton of background stuff in here, like those interstitial yeah. pages, yeah, the, yeah. the big design stuff. There's plenty of it. There's so much going on. I can't wait for you guys to read this. It's big. It's it it's is. like yeah. It's it's hard to describe it. Like we you know we've been saying it and we've been like shouting it from the rooftops of just like this is new. This is a new era. This is different. Like it's all gonna change. And that kind of language gets used a lot in the world of comic books. But I went into this recording today being like I don't know how we're gonna talk about this book. Not just in terms of the narrative, but in terms of like the profundity of its like redefinition of everything. It's just unbelievable. I read this on the plane. And I got so nervous because on the plane to Comic-Con, it was full of industry people. Right. Like there was the uh, there was a woman who uh, I've met a bunch of times at cons and stuff like that and, and talked to on, on Twitter. She was like diagonally behind me. And I was like, I can't read it. Yeah. And she, if she sees it. So I was literally like hovered over it with a shirt yeah. Yeah, and yeah. like – Covering it from both sides right. so no one could see it. It looked <laughs> must have looked so dumb. But I protected it. I protected it. All right. We got to keep moving along because we have Runaways number 23, which is pretty much consistent perfection. Month in, month out. is written by Rainbow Rowell. Art by Andre Genolet. Colors by Matthew Wilson. And there's also some interior dialogue brain art. It's hard to describe. It's it's listed in here as Doom Dialogue Artist, Nico Henricon, which so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue is set in two places. I mentioned the quote-unquote Doom Dialogue Artist, which is kind of like in the communal droidy brain space that Victor and Doombot are talking through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, and then there's the real world. I love the Victor Doombot bits because it's showing how human these two non-humans are and how much they mean to this group and how much family means to this group. Like there's so many layers in here that are so beautiful uh, and you can do so much even though they're not your typical human person. I love that. Uh, Nico's art is really smart here because he's a bit darker and weirder than Andre's and that really helps to shift the tone, which is necessary. You have this big, poppy, beautiful, bright art in the you know the main story. Uh, we also get to see Chase and Gert finally talk about things, which is a heartbreaker. Nico and Carolina talk about superheroing, emotionally fulfilling, and a heartbreaking issue from top to bottom. Uh, next issue we have uh, this week is Secret Warp's Iron Hammer Annual Number 1. Uh, in this, uh, there's two stories in here. The first one is Secret Infinity Warp Warps, which is written by Al Ewing with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And there's a second story called Fenris in a Bottle, which is written by, hey, Teeny. I mean, it's three. I think there's three Teeny stories this wow, week. Wow, it's a um, triple Teeny to um, trip, uh, uh, yep. te- teaser. No, teaser's not good mm. enough. To... A Titanic tri- teeny triple feature. Yep. <laughs> wow. Oh, How many people? Oh, triple P is now bleeding from the nose. <laughs> She's been trying too hard to come up with the proper alliterative phrase, and we're done. Uh, the art on uh, Fenderson Bo- in a Bottle is by Ario Anandito, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit as well. Man, oh man. Okay, so like this is one of those things. We've talked about it before with these uh, Infinity Warps. It's... That thing of, uh, I don't know, you can't fold a piece of paper more than seven times, I think it is. What? Something, you, you ever hear about this? No. It's like a thing. This is a thing. You literally I can, can't. One, I think it's two, seven. No, 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 three, no, no, no. I mean four, in half. Five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eleven. I just folded it 12 times. Okay. I wasn't even trying. Boom, in get ha- out of here with your math. In half. In half. Uh, that's the idea. What so size? You did it like, any, like that's rake- the thing. Any size paper. Right. Doesn't matter how how big it is. So, Here's all right, once. Okay, we're twice. Yep. Okay, Ryan is folding his paper. Three, paper. three times. Four, four. 
Oh, it's getting <laughs> difficult. Six. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Seven. There it is. I think it's either seven or eight is the magic number. <laughs> if I try it, push it against the desk, there's <laughs> seven. Yeah. Okay. No way we can get to eight. No way. <laughs> I needed that paper, though. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I was thinking of that because it's like, the Infinity Warps have themselves warped. We've not just warped characters and in warped Infinity Warps. We've started warping storylines. We've started mashing a ton of different things together. Um, uh, Ryan is now reading like a message in a bottle type uh, piece of paper. Uh, good luck uh, figuring that one out. But the uh, there's so much going on in here. And like each character that we encounter are themselves warps of other infinity warps so we're thinking of we're talking about ghost hammer and at this point like we've traveled so far down the family tree it's almost hard to remember what the great grandparent original (laughs) characters are uh we have spider supreme we have weapon peace yeah i I, it is like such a difficult puzzle to undo but that is the power of al ewing's mind that's what he's got going on and you just know i think he just has this all in his head i don't even think he has it written out I don't think he has like a chart or anything. That's just the power of his mind. We have this story that takes in like so much of what we've seen before, but also like entirely, like I'm even saying, things that we've absolutely never seen before. That's what makes this Secret Warps kind of the Warpiverse so much fun is that uh, we're exploring these characters, their different inspirations. Like I said, the kind of different, I call them like grandparents of like where they originally came from, what where they're warped from, uh, going back to Infinity Wars by Jerry Duggan and, and company. Anyway, it's a really, really fun story. Great combination of things. Really fun to see how those different elements play out. Got to make sure you mentioned that the the backup too. Oh yes, the bonus Iron Hammer story, which was really cool, introducing the warp that is Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts together, uh, which then you know like has you get a cool Fenris Wolf story, the like the twist on the Warriors yeah. three. Like there's some really cool stuff. I'm, su- I'm such a bird brain that I can't even remember that much just from talking about it, let alone like figuring it out from scratch. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Next up, we have Star Wars Age of Resistance special number one. This is a collection of three stories in here. The first is Maz Kanata in Maz's Scoundrels. Oh, man, so much fun to be had there. That's written by Star Wars Age of Resistance writer Tom Taylor with art by Matteo Buffagni. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. The second one is uh, Admiral Holdo, Amelyn Holdo. This is a really, really cool look uh, at some of the origins of that character. And that's the story called The Bridge. It's written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Elsa Chartier. Colors by Nick Filardi. And then we have the third story. It's BB-8. It's BB-8 in a story called Robot Resistance, which is written by Chris Eliopoulos uh, with art by Javier Pina. Colors by Google EFX. Letters throughout by VCs Travis Lanham. This first Maz story is so much fun. Uh, there's like one, that one throwaway line in, in The Force Awakens where uh, Maz says, where's my boyfriend about Chewbacca? And uh, we get to see a little bit of their background together, their history together. So cute. It so is, like flirty and funny. It is the best. These oh, these like age of XYZ specials uh, and stories have been just so much fun because we've gotten to see these characters in ways that we've absolutely never gotten to see them before. I'm thinking of one panel specifically in this story where Maz is literally on Chewie's shoulders, like full on Matrix style action hero. It's one of the best panels in any comic yeah, this week. It is so, so good. good. So much fun. With that one too, it's very it is so typical Tom Taylor. Yeah. Because you've got like the flirty bits, the the funny jokes at, you know, one of your main characters. They're always jabbing at Han. Uh the like quick immediate sad moments yeah like there's just one shot of chewy holding something and then ma's like comforting him and you're just like oh my heart just broke but it is full of huge heart and big action and in like that little mystery at the there's a little mystery at the end like that panel am i supposed to know what that is or is that just sort of like playing into something uh mm, i think it's yeah i don't know if you didn't recognize it then i'm fine yeah yeah yeah, like I said, really, really awesome and and exciting to see the kind of uh, the areas that Tom is playing in overall in here. Then we have the Holdo story, which is great because essentially we get to see like a young Holdo, uh, which is really cool. We get to see her taking command uh, and leading like a rebel cruiser or a resistance cruiser in battle. And we get to see those kind of early what, you know, essentially when we're introduced to that character in The Last Jedi, there's some lore about her and about, uh, oh, 
she's from that, that she's the one that did that. And so we get to see a little bit of what that uh, is all comprised of here. It's really, really, really fun stuff. I love that character. And of course, G Willow uh, can pretty much do anything. Then we third is uh, it's a BBA story, but it's also a Poe Dameron story. We get to see them teaming up together. We get to see them um, becoming the dynamic duo that we've seen and, and, and love great stuff in there. Great general Leia stuff in there as well. Um, just awesome Star Wars stuff throughout. Now, going from the Age of Resistance special, we are moving on to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number four. This issue is written by Ethan Sachs with art by Will Sliney, colors by Dono Sanchez Amaro with Proto Bunker, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is another really, really interesting story, not just because it is the great Galaxy's Edge stuff of like, oh, this is so cool because not only can you read this in the comic, then you can just go literally walk around the places where this comic is taking place. This issue also brings in, you know, tease that at the end of uh, issue number three, we get to see uh, Dr. Afra, which is so fun. We get That's kind of one of the coolest parts about um, the entire Galaxy's Edge lore that we are seeing being built uh, is that we get to see a bunch of different characters who have come through this outpost for various different reasons, very kind of run into different uh, ne'er-do-wells and smugglers and things like that um, come out the other side. It's really, really awesome. So to see how Afra goes into this story and then encounters like some really great classic style, like weirdo Star Wars beasts and creatures and uh, aliens and bad guy like leaders and figures and things like that. It's really, really awesome. But it's also done wonderfully in that Afra vein of like she's kind of this archaeologist. Uh, so it's all, all, you know, just all great stuff, stuff that I just want straight in my veins. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, up next is Thanos number four, written by Teeny Howard. There she is again. Yep. Art by Ariel Olivetti, with colors by Antonio Fabella, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, look, I know the point of the book is is this, but I'm really loving how this series explores and like enhances our knowledge of the relationship between Thanos and Gamora. Yeah. Like, I know that that's why this book is. But I think it does that so well. I just wanted to make sure that that is understood. Uh, it is like this twisted but sweet thing that there is love there. There's pride. But there's also this anger and sadness on both sides of this, which I think is such a difficult thing to do. Like the breadth of emotions that both Thanos and Gamora go through in an issue is so skillfully done by both Teeny and Ariel. It's so good, yeah. like it, how they do that. It's so complicated, yeah. and because it's so complicated, it's so real. And like that's such a testament to to Tini's ability as a writer. Yeah, uh, you know, at one point we see Gamora busting out of being a hostage, and then you know she's at one point, another point, she's like beating somebody up, and then tricking the mutineers into following her, uh, and all the while Thanos is like trying to deal with it in various ways. Is like part captor, part father mm -hmm. part like jailer right like all these different things and like the confusion that he is dealing with in doing all this is truly fascinating yeah yeah totally agreed uh okay last issue this week is venom 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 we have to talk about the, the last venom issue book. this week is venom it's venom annual number one uh it is part of the acts of evil banner this uh is uh has two stories the first one is written by ryan katie with art by simone di mayo with colors by matteo yacano uh the second one is called queen of the monsters and that is written by emily ryan lerner with art by victor ibanez colors by triana farrell and letters by vcs clayton cowles we talk about it all the time having various artists coming on having putting their spin on different characters we saw it recently with a awesome issue of venom um the donnie main series uh we see it pretty regularly with spider-man just like these iconic characters with iconic silhouettes and then when you have a, an artist that comes on board and spins that and puts it on his head puts their own spin on it it can be so exciting just that alone and we really get that here uh in this first venom story simone de Mayo, wow it reminds me of like a bit of the kind of venomized colin bunn um venom uh, stories that we saw with a, with a, a bunch of different artists. It's this really interesting, very modern looking Venom. Also really enjoy the way that Eddie uh, is written in this first story. Really great stuff overall. And then in the second story, we get some great 
more wonderful, weird monster action. It's it's a you know it's something that we we come across often, but you know I don't think we can underestimate how difficult it can be to come up with something that is it's that thing of like you need it to be familiar enough so that it's relatable and that you can understand that maybe this this creature this this villain is a threat or something um it just kind of clicks on that subconscious level while also being so strange and out there i want to give a special shout out though because that the the backup story was written by um emily ryan lerner Mm -hmm. she works on an hbo show called mrs fletcher among other things, yeah. but that story gutted me. Yeah. I I was reading it on the plane the other last night, uh, and coming home from Comic Con, I'm sitting next to my wife, and something happens in it that made me like freeze up and flinch and gasp. And my wife had to put her hand on me, like because it like it so deeply affected me. And what you were te- saying about how you know there are certain things that make it relatable yeah like it's obviously it's alien stuff but there's also a relatability and that was it was there it was so intense it was really great comics should and can make you feel things those are the individual issues on sale this week now moving on to collections we have daredevil by chip zadarsky volume one no fear deadpool by scotty young volume two fantastic four fantastic origins incredible hercules the complete collection volume one invaders volume one war ghost spider girl the complete collection volume two superior spider-man volume one full auto x-23 volume two x assassin and x-men milestones mutant massacre yes um let's see Digitally on the Marvel app, there's a bunch of stuff. There's Doctor Strange by Jason Aaron, volumes one and two, which are just added to the Marvel app. But on Marvel Unlimited, you've got some old 1970s Marvel two and ones added in there. Uh, some like 1989 Punisher weird stuff. The Punisher Return to Big Nothing is an original graphic novel from 1989. Uh, at one point, Punisher is at a brothel, um, and he is. Doing what you do at a brothel, <laughs> uh, and then he wakes up and he's like, "No women feel like Maria. All women feel like Maria." And it's like Whoa. really like sad <laughs> and like heavy, upsetting stuff. Yeah. It's a wild. That feels story. like classic, like deep in the depths of late '80s Punisher style stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's going through some stuff. Yeah, uh, really interesting. It's it's also collected recently. Um. Bitfire and the Troubleshooters from 1986, so getting some new universe stuff in there. Uh, a whole bunch of things in Marvel Unlimited. You're going to check them out. We'll put the list up on the Marvel.com for you, and then we'll be back with another episode next week. That's great. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your Universe. <laughs>